like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. If you've tuned in regularly over the past year or so to Song of the Soul, you've heard my interviews with Gordon Bach and with Ed Trickett, and today we'll be spending time and sharing music with the third person in the trio, Bach, Trickett, and Muir. Her name is Anne Mayo Muir, and she's been and continues to be a gift to the world of folk music and singer-songwriters playing a wealth of instruments, but especially known for her beautiful singing, Anne Mayo Muir joins us today by phone from France. Dear Anne, it's wonderful to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Oh, I've been looking forward to it really very, very much. In between getting to know your daughter, Christina, and getting to know you, this has been just a wonderful past month I've had, and I want to thank you for the long conversations we've had into the far reaches of your night over there in France. Well, I enjoyed them so much. So you've been living in France for quite a while. How long has this been? And I'm supposing it's because of your French husband that you're over there, right? Right. He spent eight years in the States when I met him. We got married there, and then he said one day, I would think I'm ready to go back. I said, well, we'll divide our time then between my home here and our home here and your home there. And he said, oh, I, I go and spend quite a bit of time with my children. And occasionally he'll come if it's a family reunion, you know, or something special, a marriage does Claude have what might be described as a traditional French point of view? Someone told me a bit of a joke once. They said, did you know that, surprisingly, the French don't consider themselves to be the highest civilization on Earth? No, they consider themselves to be the only civilization. Station. Oh, no, I don't. Claude is so unusual and so different. There is nobody like Claude, and there's nobody thinks like him. He seems to have been born as soon as he was, you know, walking and talking. I think he was already aware of things that it would take most people another 10 years to be aware of. He's always been way too aware of what was going on and thinking about things very deeply. He's, uh, well, I'm not going to, I could talk about Claude all night. I think I won't go further. Well, he does figure in some of your songs. He creeps in here and there, and I think we'll maybe run into one of these later on. But why don't you get us started right away, Anne, with one of your songs, so we start getting a flavor of Anne Mayo Muir. All right. In the 90s, I went to fiddle camp because my daughter-in-law invited me to come take care of the twins who'd been born, and they were a year old. And and as I would lay, lay in bed that night, I'd first night I heard all the fiddlers and I wanted to go back and learn to become a fiddler. 
I certainly fell in love with it that first week, and I did nine years. Alistair Fraser runs it, and he's he's wonderful, remarkable. Everybody loves him, and and Mystery Bow was written partially because of Alistair, because I wanted to have a new bow because I had to select a bow, and how does a beginner know how? So I said, I'd love help on this, and he said, oh, no, this takes years. You, you have, there's one fiddle, one bow, they go together. You have to spend many, 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 many years hunting for it. It's like a marriage, and I said, oh, but who has time for that? And I, I argued him out of my waiting and doing all that work. And I said, <laughs> I could bring you some fiddly bows and you could play them. Would you do that for me? And he said, yes. So during that, a lot of things happened that ended up in my song. And on the way through Hungary in a van, in a camping car, I ended up giving my student bow to a Hungarian, beautiful young man, who was playing magnificently, but his bow was completely shot, and the string was plastered on the wood. And that was my husband's seeing it. My husband sees everything. I would have missed that. He, he said, Anne, this bow's dead. And I went and got my student bow, because I had just gotten a new bow, and I handed it to the man. And with some money, because obviously they w- would like to eat. And uh, there were two old men, probably my age, <laughs> playing their guitars behind him. Well, they were so struck dumb, they just stood there in the, in the road with, with their hands over their heart. And as we went away, they were just all, you know, couldn't believe the good luck. So I love that, because I always think, Part of something I loved and had went to play the, and live in the gypsy life, in the real gypsy life. Everything I did that summer came into this song. So it won't make a lot of sense, but I, I think it makes sense. I do. But I hope everybody enjoys it. It's one of my favorites. So we'll start off Anne Mayo Muir's Song of the Soul today with her song Mystery Bow. Get ready for a lot of wonderful lyrics by Anne Mayo Muir. I'm a mystery bow, looking for action. I can give you satisfaction, but I'm looking for the perfect mate to play. The Scottish music in the Scottish way. Love this music, cause I love to hustle. Down in the cracks with the gristle and the muscle. Love the lift, I love the drive. Without it, I just can't survive. I'm a smooth bow When I'm gliding I strut my stuff When I'm sliding Play with me and I'll tell it so Everything you ever wanted will show Your reputation here It's awfully high Being who I am I thought I'd check out why If one of you fits into my plan I'll be giving up my one-night stands I'm a sweet bow, one of a kind I'll do the choosing if you don't mind Come see me later, darling, after the crush I'll put you through some paces that will make you blush I'm your bow, strong and steady Jump like a racehorse When you're ready, drive me well I'll let you hear Everything that you ever held dear In my 
emotion, there's an ocean of pleasure. I've a notion there's no other can measure up to the sound you'll get with me. It's the highest quality. I can read your mind, know your heart. Handle me well and I'll do my part. Tell you everything you're thinking, maybe more. Play with me and you'll know the score. I'm your bow, supple and sassy. Folks who hear me say I'm classy upon my stroke. You can depend, it's at your command from end to end. I'm a storyteller, I'm a gossip monger. Your emotions feed my hunger. Every little rumor, every murmur I've heard passes through me cause I spread the word. Can't keep a secret, I kiss and tell. I weave them up in a musical spell. Your slightest pressure I will show. The sweetest feelings that you'll ever know. I'll help you reach your highest goal. I'll be under your control. I keep the beat. I make the sound. What would you do without me around? First song for Anne Mayo Muir's Song of the Soul, Mystery Bow. Is that the first song that you actually wrote for fiddle? Well, no. The, when I first started writing songs, because we all entertain, one day we all spend time entertaining each other, I wrote 14 songs about the fiddle. And the first ones, of course, I had no idea if I could write a song, so I would I stole the melodies from great past wonderful shows, you know, and like doing what comes naturally uh, i wrote to that and i must have done that for maybe five songs six songs i started to write my own melodies i mean you know it just sort of worked out that way and so it was a ha- it was happiness to learn oh well i can do my own you started off your first instrument in life was what a ukulele that's your enduring love isn't it Yes, it is. I've never tired of it. I'm still learning on it and trying to improve after like 50-some years. And because of having interviewed your daughter, Christina Muir, because I interviewed her, I know that you picked up the harp somewhere along the way. So I now see the ukulele and the harp in your repertoire, and you mentioned that you learned the fiddle in the mid-90s or somewhere about then. Are there further instruments that you've picked up? Or are, you, are you just a virtuoso of all instruments? What is this? I love the sound of different instruments, and I don't think you can have too many because each one adds a special kind of color to your accompaniment. So I have ukulele and four harps, and I have four violins, and, and I have a hammer dulcimer, and I have whistles, really nice whistles. I have a flute and a nickel harpa. They're all wonderful instruments, and I recommend everybody doing the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Did you start off planning to be a musical professional? Is that what you went to school for or trained for or whatever you did back then? This just was a case of doing what I love. And I was always entertaining, you know, just because I couldn't stop. 
And then I, you know, met Gordon Bach, and that was a whole new opening up into his world, doing folk music. Of course, I planned to be a Broadway star, but uh, he didn't know much about that. He didn't think about that, but I did. Well, I could have seen that last song, Mystery Bow. I could have seen that being on Broadway, don't you think? I think so. I'm really, really happiest to be in that joyful Broadway state, you know? I think when I was 12, Mother and Daddy took me to see South Pacific. I was enthralled. And from that moment on, that's what I've wanted to be a Broadway star. (laughs) A fat chance, but that's still what I wanted. And I did a lot of community theater. I was Adelaide. And honestly, the other day I met someone on Facebook who said, I was the director of Adelaide, and I remember you're coming in, and blah, blah, blah. It was so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> amazing, yeah. To come back to it, though, is that what you planned to be, went to school for, or got trained for to be a musician? Or was it just something that you picked up by yourself and played? I just taught myself everything until it came to the fiddle, and then I knew I was up against something rather larger than myself. You know, I couldn't teach myself the fiddle. There was just too much to it. So you mentioned connecting up with Bach, with Gordon Bach, and the music of Bach, Trickett, and Muir. You three touched so many hearts and souls with the music of that trio. Was there a musical profession for you before you met Gordon? Or maybe were you just wandering about playing by the subways? Or what were you thinking? I was already performing when people would ask me, probably in their homes, And I was never really paid much at all, but I couldn't not perform. I wanted to. I wanted to be a star, so I went into Search for a Star contest in an enormous movie theater. I came in second, and I got a bracelet that said Search for a Star. It's hanging in my bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) That's where it all got started, eh? I don't know, maybe. Yes, the bathroom has a beautiful reverb that I love. So singing in bathrooms was what I did. And in school, I'd sing in stairwells with other like-minded young women who loved to harmonize. So that was so fun. So you wanted to be on Broadway. Did you make an attempt in that direction? Did you go and attempt to hang out with Broadway folks so that you could get pulled in? No, I didn't. I went to ski in Aspen, Colorado, and I met the Limelighters way back. They were fun, and Lou Gottlieb, who was the comic, said, when you make your first record, I want to produce it. And I said, really? Okay. And the next year, the Highwaymen sort of found me singing in a folk music center in Greenwich Village, and out of the blue asked me to be on their record called Hootenanny with the Highwaymen, which I did, and I had a wonderful week there, and it was just so much fun. They were great. The tunes were fun to sing. And then their uh, producer asked me to make a record. It went on like that. It sort of passed from one, well, you do it, and you do it. It's like that. It's like spit happens. There I was, and I sang on those records, and then I got back, and there I was performing with Gordon, and then Ed, you know, joined us, and there we were making these records, and I loved the music, and it was so just fantastic to work with them. So all of that happened, and when it disappeared in 2000, 
I was suddenly without musical friends. And there I was in France where I have no musical friends. And I have to generate all the uh, interest, which is no difficulty. I can just go upstairs and start writing. I'm, I'm writing lyrics all the time, but the tunes just come to me quicker than a wink. I don't take a long time. Tunes are there. They're already there. I believe that they're firmly already there. So I sing it like I'm reaching for the tune that belongs to it. And 99% of the time, I get it right there. I know that real honest-to-goodness musicians don't do that. They sweat, they play it, and work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're a woman. Women are not supposed to sweat. (laughs) But we're talking about your music. How about giving us another example of it? We need to hear some more music from Anne Mayo Muir. All right. There's one I wrote that's in a recording called Notes from Across the Sea, and it was the very first time in my life I was making instrumentals, and it was thanks to my daughter Christina Muir that they became a recording by Ensemble Galilee. We hired them, and they played from their hearts, and I was overjoyed. And every one I wanted to be Scottish, and this is the only one that turned out that way, Scottish. <laughs> It's actually a medley of two songs, Connie's Garden and Martin and the Fox. Connie's my daughter-in-law, and I love her dearly, and uh, this is to her garden that she's passionate about. Martin is Martin Hayes, one of the finest fiddlers I ever met, and from Ireland. And uh, I dedicated this to him. And the fox is actually, the fo- in my mind, the fox from Exuperé's The Little Prince. So... Connie's Garden, Martin and the Fox. It's a recording by Anne Mayo Muir with Ensemble Galilee.
I don't know if our listeners were able to tell, but while listening to that, I was getting up and doing some Scottish dancing because I'm an international folk dancer. As soon as I heard that music, I just knew I had to put some Scottish steps to it. That is Connie's Garden and Martin and the Fox, Ensemble Galilee with Anne Mayo Muir's music. Beautiful song, beautiful fun song. And you said that is the only one that came out Scottish, although you wanted to make all of them come out Scottish. I don't know if that's sad or maybe happy. You know, what? I didn't know what I was doing anyway. I was putting notes on the staff. I was with my cursor. I was listening to the sound they made. And from there, they talk to me, of course, and they tell me where they want to go. And I always do what they tell me. And I simply keep sprinkling them on the staff to where where they tell me they're done. And, I mean, that is writing for me. So you were composing these songs on the computer instead of picking up a bow and fiddling away? I composed that only on the Sibelius where I could drop a fiddle and a, and a harp and a cello and I could drop the instruments I want and write the parts. So they all played together and I had the satisfaction of hearing it sound like Sibelius playing, which for me it was wonderful. But it wasn't real at all. It wasn't real music until when Ensemble Galilee played it, it became real. Well... Who is Ensemble Galilee, and did you have to go shopping to find a group like Ensemble Galilee to play your music? Good friends, uh, Christina. They've been around a number of years, and they work internationally, and they, they've been uh, at Carnegie Hall. And they, they deserve their fame. They're really, really good. One thing I should remind people about, you mentioned that the second medley was from the CD Notes from Across the Sea. The first one, Mystery Bow, is not on a CD. If people want to hear it again, other than going to org and playing this interview over and over again, how can they find that? Can they get it, or is there some promise of having it in the future if they want to hold it in their hands? I know that if they went to songramp.com, looking about, and could find my name being Yodel Lady, Yodel Lady, too. Not with the two, Yodel Lady. They could go to my page and listen, I think. So that's one place they could listen to it. Do you have any plans of putting it out on a CD anytime in the near future? I'm working toward it. just need to finish a few things before that happens. Well, let's keep moving with your Song of the Soul so that we get in all of the music that you selected for today. What would you like to share next? This is a wonderful song. I, lo- I Pardon me for saying it's a wonderful song. I'm crazy about it. And it's called Welcome the Gift Life Sends. I think that's a good one. I called it Broken Umbrella for a long time. It was sort of off the wall. But Welcome the Gift. I don't know which do you like. Let's choose. What hits you? Well, I love the message, Welcome the Gift Life Sends. But Broken Umbrella has its own beauty to it as well, so it depends, you know, if we're on the concert stage or maybe with a group of friends. Let's do Broken Umbrella today. And you want to say anything about where this comes from? Yes. Why I love it so much is it's what I like about life. It's a true story about a couple of Italians, a woman and her boyfriend and a girlfriend, walking together in the rain, 
they're coming down our street, and Claude came up behind them on his bicycle, but before he passed, he noticed that the girl was out from under the umbrella getting all wet. So he kind of clock-clocked at them and said what he thought about that and kept riding by. They got to the end of the street, and he invited them in, which is the way I would have wanted him to, for tea. And we had a good four hours of just pure delight. So this describes what it was all like. There you go. Broken umbrella. I'll always remember the friendship that came Thanks to that broken umbrella And a couple walking alone in the rain A beautiful girl with her fella on his bicycle gliding came Claude who noticed the girl getting wet he said take more care of your lovely friend there dripping with water she'll surely regret it must have seemed odd to be told by a stranger how to look after the girl he adored But he moved it over to cover her better And it was our home they were heading toward A cup of tea would be just what they needed Inviting them in They entered the tower With a bright fire roaring Soon hot tea was pouring The spell of friendship Was gathering power A second to go They were strangers, you know For a lifetime ahead They'll be friends If you're fully in it It just takes a minute to welcome the gift life sends. To welcome the gift life brings. Wonderful story from Anne Mayo Muir. The song is Broken Umbrella, or depending on your venue, Welcome the Gift Life Brings. And this is also one that has not been released on CD yet. I hope you make a note, Anne, to include it in the next recording you put together. It's a wonderful story. This happened in France since there were Italians wandering by. Yeah, it did happen in France. And one of the joys I get is uh, coming down my own street and noticing the different people who are just out for a walk that are new and just learning about the town. As I walk by various people, one group more than another will somehow talk to me. I mean, 
I, I feel something about them, and I they get down there, and it's disappointing because you can see nothing except houses. So I'll say to the ones I felt that way about, why don't you come in and I'll show you the other side where you look out in the harbor. And, well, they love it. And we usually sit out there, and I'll bring some tea. And it's always a great gift to me that I did it. Who's more gregarious, you or Claude? Gosh, I, that's a question, a good question. I couldn't even tell you. I'm not sure. It sounds like, between the two of you, it's a completely gregarious household, always welcoming people in. And I find that all the more surprising, then, that you feel like you haven't felt like you've really absorbed, got all the friends, you know, built this solid community around you. But maybe I'm getting that wrong? No, no. Well, I don't live in a real town. This is a vacation town, and people come here for two weeks. For many winters, I haven't seen other people in the town. It's not, it, they've almost tried, they've tried to take away our post office. I mean, it's a town that's been tried to be, you know, dismantled. But it's never going to be dismantled. It's so beautiful, totally beautiful. In the summer, it's, they have busloads of people come to the point it's overrun. But we are never overrun. Being out on the end of a peninsula, it's still lovely where we are, just sort of out of reach. If you just tuned in, you're listening to a Norton Spirit Radio production called Song of the Soul. I'm your host, Mark Helpsmeet. Our website is nordenspiritradio.org, and on the site you'll find about seven and a half years of programs that we've been doing with all kinds of wonderful people, people making great music and making great change in the world. Listen to and download the programs there. And in addition, you'll find links to them. So, for instance, if you come to today's program, you'll find a link to annemailmuir.com so you can find out more about her, obtain her music. You'll also find a place to leave comments, and we do really love to have your comments. All the feedback you give us on the site helps future visitors, and it helps me vision into the future where I should be going. In fact, the recommendation to interview Anne came from one of our listeners from Sweden. There's also a place to make donations. That really helps us when you leave us a donation. You can either leave it online or send one to us. The website, nordenspiritradio.org. Again, we're sharing your music here today, Anne. And a lot of the music that you did and got recorded as part of Bach, Trickett, and Muir, or Bach, Muir, and Trickett, depending on which recording I'm looking at, you had some recordings of your own as well, and what you did recently with Ensemble Galilee, and there's still another one coming. You keep adding instruments to your repertoire. Does this mean that you have to do new recordings and re-record old songs with new instrumentation? That's an interesting question. I keep adding new instruments, and I've just added two more. One I've not seen, and one is here. I've added a, a new 12-string. And at home, I've bought a tenor guitar. Well, speaking of, of Gordon and our music together, we did one very early on that was just magic. It totally was magic. And he wrote it, and uh, he writes beautifully. And it's called O Idale, and it's the calling of a, of a seal. So it's like the seal songs where one, the woman is a, a seal or the man is a seal, and he comes on and, 
and falls in love with whoever's appropriate. <laughs> in this case, I guess it's a seal man coming to land. They make the best husbands, and she falls in love with him, and they marry, and they have a, a child. And a lot of its chorus in the calling, O Idale, is very beautiful and mysterious. So here it is, it's O Idale.
from the music of Anne Mayo Muir, O.E. Dalle, that's both Anne Mayo Muir and Gordon Bach. Gordon's wonderful deep voice and Anne's beautiful singing really weave a tapestry of music. Of course, that's again about magic, the magic of seals that turn into people and then later back into seals headed back out to the sea. Are you, and very connected to the sea? I mean, of course, Gordon Bach is so passionately connected with it, and obviously you're married to Claude, a, a sailor. Is this because of your mutual attraction to the sea, or is it just happenstance? Isn't everybody attracted to the sea? It's so beautiful, and it's so, so mysterious. I've always loved the sea. My daddy was in the Navy, over the mantle, there was an enormous painting of oceans in their splendor, crashing against the side of a cliff. And I would ha- find it hard to live without water nearby. And, of course, Claude couldn't. And when we're traveling in the van, whenever there's any water, it's like he has just been watered himself. And he springs into, you know, into full bloom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> One of the things I try to ask all of my Song of the Soul guests, and sometimes it just comes out naturally through their songs, is what kind of religious or spiritual background you come from. I noticed in your songs that prayers pop up periodically. Are you a praying type of person? Where does this come from in your life? Well, at this point in time, I do have a number of people who've actually asked me to pray for them because they live in places like Pakistan and, and Australia and are going through, have been going through hard times. And and they I particularly keep in mind, and I believe in prayer. I think prayer helps. I think it helps people. But I think prayers can just be made up of many things. We don't even have to talk about prayers. To me, are whatever I decide. Did you have any kind of formation in praying growing up? I just sort of followed the crowd. We were told to go to Sunday school. I went to Sunday school, and we were told, well, now you're going to do this and do that, and everybody was doing it, and I did it. But in the end, I decided I wasn't someone who enjoyed those sorts of formal gatherings where we're all supposed to do this or do that. It needed to live in me and not be out there. So it isn't out there, and that my own spiritual path is my own. And it, it has to do with my philosophy of being responsible to help guide in any way, give aid to anyone who I might see who's in my sphere. Is that the way your parents raised you, to have that idea? Is that something that they modeled for you? No, it's not. It's something... I, I just discovered that's how I feel, and I I rescue people. If I see them and they're the trouble, I've been in restaurants and seen people coughing way over at other tables, and the wife going pat, 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 and the guy keeps coughing, her husband, and I've raced over there and gently pushed her out of the way and given the Heimlich uh, maneuver. (laughs) I could just see you rushing over, and they might say, excuse me, I want to do this. (laughs) they can't and they can't because they aren't they don't know and i just can't understand why we can't help our neighbor and why more people aren't at least training themselves to do what little and that's little i've done that on three people 
they all could have died from their choking. And the last one, everyone was laughing while I was doing it. They didn't have a clue what to do. And she had a laurel leaf caught in her throat. And her hand was making circles to keep going. And until it came out, I kept doing it. And I'm so glad that I could have helped her. So you've got this compassionate heart, and it really wasn't what you were trained into by your parents or... And what I also hear is that you don't feel like you need formal religion to inspire this, and that formal religion kind of leaves you cold, maybe. I think our whole life has to be who we are and what we believe and not something you practice one day. It's how you live every day and how you feel about people. And that kindness is really important. All of that seems terribly important in a world where maybe it's going out of fashion in some areas, I believe in it strongly, and I think we all need to get back to to making our word matter. We have a saying in Quaker circles, let your life speak. That's it. That's what we need to do by our comportment. They don't so much need to hear our words to know that I'm serving the bigger sense of we. That's it. So, you see, I'm a Quaker, too. I, I think all religions are, have great value, and I don't see one as ever being superior to another. And I do think everybody ought to be more tolerant, and that we could have peace in the world if people didn't believe that their religion gave them the right to go kill somebody else because uh, they thought they were superior. Well, we need to keep on going to get in the last few songs that you've picked out. So what's the next song for your song of the soul? We're going to do one that I wrote, could it be four or five years ago, called Forever Came to My Door. I did it to comfort myself because um, I thought I needed something to already transport me to that moment when forever would come to my door. And I wanted to be, like, beat him to it <laughs> and welcome him and understand that I've already done this. So, you know, when the time comes, it's like, oh, yes, I've done this before. So forever's my friend. I've sung it to people. I remember singing it at, at camp to a gentleman who was sitting at my table when everyone had left, and he burst right into tears. And I wondered, what about that song had caused that? You know, I think there's such a great fear of mortality in our population. I mean, people are really afraid of the end, and I don't think that they have the sense of where they are in meaning in their life. It seems like you have a well-developed sense of that, so maybe encountering forever is not the same kind of frightening thing for you as it is for so many people. I've rather decided... Who are we to say that it's the end? I don't think that we should be trying to outguess what's going to come because we're fairly pathetic at that. I like to believe the positive way that there will be an amazing continuance, you know, in a different form, in a different place, in a different shape. And we'll we'll all talk about it when we see each other. (laughs) How was it there back on earth? Forever Came to My Door, or at least some days it's called that, and other days it's called Forever Came to Call. Yeah. This is a live performance. Where's this happening? I was performing it near my home in Annapolis, Maryland, within a beautiful space with the Ensemble Galilee, and we were, uh, it was called a, a CD 
release concert. So Ensemble Galilee came on stage, and then at the end, I was invited to come up and share some of my songs. Whoever came to my door, Anne Mayo Muir with Ensemble Galilee. I always thought that I'd stay young forever. Then forever came to my door. Whatever made you come calling today when I've years of tomorrows in store. And then he asked if I valued my dreams that were sent and were meant as a sign. I always believed that our dreams would come true, so I pay close attention to mine, to nurture yourself on the true foods of life, spread them carefully out on the ground, eat well from the portion of wisdom you seek, drink deep the lessons you found. And then he told me, sing and be happy. He said he'd be back in a while. Forever's never in a hurry, he mentioned to me with a smile. the privilege today of listening to Anne Mayo Muir's Song of the Soul. That was her song, Forever Came to My Door. Obviously, she's got enough poise to stare forever down. Forever is a big amount of time. It can be kind of daunting to those of us who like to deal with small, rational numbers. (laughs) But I'm glad that you've had the courage to face right into it, to sing into it, to be happy, as you say in the song. It's a wonderful, inspirational song, really guides us into a better place of looking into those big mysteries. Thank you. Well, let's finish off your Song of the Soul. One final song I want to squeeze in here. Okay. This last song is uh, called Snow Gull. Gordon Bach's family, his aunt especially, knew many uh, songs from the Hebrides. 
and he taught me several of them. This is one that I especially loved and enjoyed singing in our years together. The thing is, I'm playing. I'm playing by myself. That's rather unusual when you're in a trio. They always find wonderful ways to add their music. Here it is, Snow Gull from the Hebrides. The call, oh, it's, it's really the gulls calling. I hear the calling that you'll hear repeated so many times, both the woman singing it, crying to the gulls, and the gulls answering. It's a beautiful, beautiful, haunting, and very old song. So we'll close out today's Song of the Soul interview with Anne Mayo Muir. Again, her website, com. We're going to close out her Song of the Soul with Snow Gull, a traditional song that Anne performed by herself as part of the trio Bach, Trinket, and Muir. And it's such a pleasure to get to know you, and I'm looking forward to years of getting to know you and your daughter, Christina Muir, two just wonderful people. And I'm so happy to know that periodically you come to my area of the country, at least you come to Minnesota, just a couple hours drive from here. So I look forward to seeing you in person, and I thank you for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thank you for asking me. I loved it. I love visiting with you, and I look forward to seeing you in real time. (laughs) (laughs) I want listeners to know that there is a bonus song and some interviews under the excerpts for this program. Go to Northern Spirit Radio to hear that. We close out today with Snow Gull by Anne Mayo Muir. We'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. Thank you.
The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy.